getting fucking old. I just spent the last hour going through just old footage, like uh, shit takes from the cutting room floor of my old vlog and behind the scenes stuff, some old stuff from when we shot the Pantelis pilot. I've put on another fucking me. I was like, I was looking at how big Pantelis was back then and how thin he is now in comparison. And I just like, all the, fuck man, I just like rounded out. Fucked up thing is though, the interesting thing is, I think I like how I look now better than I did five years ago. I was too thin, I was creepy, but I am getting old. I just closed my window, which is right in front of me. I like leaned over the screen and I hurt my elbow and I pulled my chest muscle. Fuck. Uh, getting old sucks. I'm uh, super out of shape because most of the time, especially now. So here's the thing, and this will lead into what I want to talk to today. Um, first of all, first and foremost, welcome to Phil My Home. My name is Phil Balabanos. I just went into it there. But uh, that's the kind of mood I'm in. I'm, I got a lot of things I need to do. I got a lot of things I need to get done today. So I, uh, there's no dead time between. Like from the second I got here, I've been editing. And I'll go back to what I was just talking about, which is before the pandemic, 90% of my time. No, that's not true. Before the pandemic, I would say 75% of my time was spent on a location somewhere shooting be that handheld with a rig or just out and about and shooting. And anyone who has shot knows that shooting is very physical. Like there's a lot going on. Um, now it feels like almost every, I want to say every other client, but it's more than that. 80% of my clientele base now is like, oh, we need studio stuff for like content marketing for YouTube, for social, that kind of stuff. A lot of talking head stuff. So effectively, once it's set up, which only takes me about, I mean, depending on the complexity of a shoot, uh, setting up a studio is, especially my studio, the way I have it behind me set up, um, everything's kind of within a couple feet of each other. Sure, there's some lifting and some hoisting and some putting tripods up and adjusting lights, but none of it is very uh, physically demanding, right? Unless we're putting up like heavy stands or, but someone always helps me. So I have like three regulars that I'm doing constantly, like three regular setups. And the way I've set them up, I can almost like rotate one arm and switch the light. And it, it's pretty quick, right? Like the initial setup was hard, but now they're set up, like they're set up. I just need to reset them every time. And because of that, I end up spending a lot more time just because once we start, once I've set up and we start rolling, aside from talking and directing the, the talent or the client, and sometimes maybe, you know, getting up to like move, uh, I don't know, fuck the prompter. I don't move much. And then once it's all shot and in the, on the cards, I come here, I sit down and I sit here for like eight hours a day sometimes just editing. So I'm not moving a lot. So this morning I got here at like seven, no, it was like eight o'clock. I sat down and I just edited till it's now one o'clock. I just stopped. Like I stopped to eat lunch and I'm doing this. So like my body is just like all cramped up because I'm not getting any exercise. It's fucking terrible. The idea that I just closed a window and I hurt myself. Uh, I mean, that's very telling. It's very telling. But on the same topic of what my work is like now, um, I've come to a conclusion. I wrote it down. I have a little notepad here. I wrote it down the other day because I wanted to talk about it. <clears throat> and this is what it says. It says, gear made me shit. <laughs> what does that mean? So anyone who's been following me for a while knows that I love fucking getting new equipment. Uh, it excites me. Like I, I just get I'm like a kid in a candy store, right? I, I got a new camera at Christmas, which is... And I've said this before, it's my dream fucking camera uh, in terms of what it does, right? It has proper professional grade audio inputs. It has uh, 
some of the most advanced autofocus, which I've never had. Uh, it just, it, the, the image is beautiful. So I get this new camera and I like, well, I had COVID at the beginning of January, but right after COVID, I got out there and I started shooting. <sighs> guys, guys, 90% of everything I've shot on this new phenomenal top of the line, best ever camera sucks. It's garbage. It's absolute and utter trash. If it's on a tripod, it's looked great. But the second it's up to me as the, the mechanism, the driving force to move a shot to compose, falling apart. And I, I got nervous. I was like, what the fuck? Maybe I just need more practice with this camera. Is this camera not as good as I thought? Am I losing my edge? Can I no longer shoot the way I used to because I'm so out of shape? Because I famously avoided using any kind of stabilization for years. It wasn't always a budget requirement. I actually really like handheld footage, so that's one thing. But for the most part, I shot everything handheld. I used to ride, I used to hang, right before the COVID, I used to go down to Florida, hang off the side of a golf cart on the tarmac in Florida and shoot planes taxiing around the runway. Like, I wasn't using any stabilization. I was just, I had my arm hooked on the side and I was holding the camera. And it looked fucking great. It was stable. I had very little IBIS, so like the internal stabilization on the camera, because whatever, it existed, but it wasn't great. The camera I have now has active track. Like, it actually stabilizes. And everything still looks like shit. So I thought to myself, I go, it must be me. I must be doing something wrong. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized all the things that made my shooting style extremely unique and why people liked it and why I loved it, because I had grown to love my own style. Like, I like to watch my own stuff. Um, the technology that came with the camera was like a crutch. So I was like, first of all, I never had autofocus, right? We'll break this down. I never had autofocus. So I would focus manually by eye and by feel. Now I have autofocus. I'm like, tap, 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 focus. I'm just letting it do its thing, but it doesn't have any kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't have any kind of natural flow to it. You know what I mean? It's just very mechanical. And I tried to adjust that. And instead of taking the time to figure out, you know, Maybe I should focus manually. I was like, no, 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 there's, there's computer stuff in here that'll fix it. The other thing is it has a touch screen, which I've always been really against on cameras because I don't like the idea that I'm touching the only like permanent viewable version of my content, like the thing I'm shooting. It gets smudgy and whatever. Thing is when you tap uh, a flip out screen, it shakes the camera, right? Like even if I just tap this one a little, you see that little jitter. So if I'm constantly doing that on set, it's doing this weird thing. So my shots aren't fluid. They're not smooth. Also low light. I would hunt for natural light if I couldn't have my own lights. This camera's fucking phenomenal in low light. My old one was too. I'm not going to complain about that. But again, I was like, yeah, I'll just boost the ISO, which is something I would have never done. And I feel like this all comes back to like this conversation that I've been having on and off on this show forever, which is... There's so much shit content out there that it's affecting the way our minds work, myself included. And I end up shooting crappier content and I'm like, it's fine. I like TikToks look like shit. This is good. I'm not saying I do that for every client. I, I, I don't. But I've been realizing that, I, especially, so my, my buddy opened a cafe and I decided to do some test footage there because it's a new camera. And I sent him the, the footage and he was really happy with it. Super excited. By the way, if you guys are in the mile end of Montreal, go check out Cuisine Nyata, N-I-A-T-A. 
It's uh, right next to the famous St. Vieter bagel there, right there on St. Vieter Street. The best Svanakopites, like the best filo you'll find in, in, in the city. I mean, outside, fuck, outside of Greece, possibly. It's delicious. Go check it out. Nyata. Um, tell them I sent you. <laughs> so I make him these videos and he loves them and they do really, really well on social media. But I think they're terrible. They're, I mean, they're, 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 no, fuck, they're objectively bad. Like the footage is shaky, the focus all over the place. There's not one thing about those videos that I like, that I look at this, I'm like, I made this, it's great. The only thing I take away is I made these for him because I was testing my gear and they brought him business. That makes me happy. But in terms of quality, blah, blah, garbage. Like I, they make me cringe to look at them. And there was a part of me that really thought I was just out of practice, you know, right after COVID. I hadn't shot because of the lockdowns going on. But I don't think it is that. I think I inadvertently, I put too much of myself to the side and let the camera do things for me. Because I'm, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to content creation, or I guess I, I was, maybe I'm not anymore. But I'm a bit of a purist, like, I like to do things the difficult way, even if I don't have the time or the budget, because I feel there's a better product that comes out of it, especially in terms of focus tracking. Sure, sometimes you cannot track a subject that's moving and walking. You need focus tracking. You need automatic focus. It, it has to be there. Or you need to have someone running focus on the side, like pulling focus for you. But in this instance, these, these examples that I'm using, I didn't need that. Uh, I could have just easily, I, all I was doing was holding the camera in front of me and shooting something. I could have easily just done what I always did and run the focus myself. But I didn't for whatever reason. It's such, I feel like the technology has made me be lazy and has in turn hurt my craft. I have like 12 lenses. Ever since I got this camera, I've only kept one on it. The most expensive one, the most versatile one, and the one of the best autofocus. Why? There's no real reason. This morning I put on my manual lenses, which I have not, like I got a new camera and normally you get a new camera, the first thing you do is you break out all your fucking lenses and you put them on, you see how it looks. I realized this morning, I hadn't even put any of my manual lenses on this camera since I got it. I've had it for two and a half months. So I stopped what I was doing. I cleared out my workbench in the room behind me I laid out all my lenses, and one by one, I put them on. And I was like, fuck, some of these are phenomenal on here. Like, incredibly good, sharp, beautiful. They're good lenses. And it's a good camera, great sensor. And I was like, how have I not done this? And, and that blew my mind. And that's how I knew that the only blame here is on me. I got lazy. They gave me a bunch of cool shit. It distracted me, and I got lazy. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to avoid at all costs using my auto lenses because I need to, I became good at what I do because I was broke, didn't have the right equipment and I needed things to look pro. When I started, so right here, that camera right there, it looks like a Mark II, like a 5D Mark II. It's not. It's a fucking Rebel camera. It costs like $600. I added a battery pack to it so it would look bigger so clients wouldn't question what the hell I was shooting with when I showed up. Because the final product, they couldn't tell the difference. Like, think about that for a second. They couldn't tell. I just wanted the optics to look better. Okay, we're paying this guy. He showed up with a big camera. I mean, that was my first, like, that was the first camera I used for client work, right? I've also shot movies on that fucking camera that look still to this day good. So it's a fine camera. Gear is not the be-all, end-all 
of what we do. It helps, but it can really hinder you. And uh, I've, I had never really felt that. I had never felt hindered by my equipment. If you guys are hearing weird noises, I don't know if it's picking up, but like it's raining really weird and it's like raining sideways into the window. <laughs> um, it had never happened to me. I had never been hindered. I had been hindered by too much equipment where it was cumbersome and too much time to set up and that kind of stuff. Like at one point I had a gimbal. I had bought a, a Moza Air so I could stabilize my footage and it would take so long to balance it that like I would lose time on set and I was like, fuck this. And I got rid of it. If I did need stabilized shot, I would hire someone. Most, nine, nine times out of 10, I would hire my friend Russell because he's actually a great gimbal pilot. And it made more sense to spend, you know, on a half day, like a couple hundred dollars, 400, 500, whatever the rate was for the, the amount of time he was working to shoot for me on that project than to actually have a gimbal, maintain it, take care of it, bring it, transport it, set it up, get just to get like three shots. Plus when Russell's there, I, I get a second shooter, right? So he can help me with other stuff. It's nice. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I had never been hindered by the actual quality of the equipment, but this time I was. And it was a really weird feeling. But I, I go back to the, the, the Canon Rebel T3i, like I made it look better, the physical camera itself, so people wouldn't question it. But the footage coming out of it, I mean, I should not have been able to get what I was getting. I was going out of my way. I was contorting my body into strange fucking positions to get angles just to make sure that the composition was interesting, visually interesting, that it furthered my storytelling needs for that scene. <clears throat> and, and I did for the most part. I mean, I'm sure I shot some bad footage on there too. I've seen it. But the crazy thing is, because I didn't have the things I needed, I worked... 10 times harder. Now that I have all the things I need, somehow instead of just working normal or at least slightly bit less hard just so I can balance back, I like went back to not even, it's not that I'm not trying, it's just, I think I'm trying, but after I'm like, no, I'm just with autofocus. And, and it was not a conscious decision. I'm like, I, I think I was just so excited to have these things again, or not again, but to have these things that I just, I don't know, I became obsessed with using them. Just because I have autofocus and it's the best on the market doesn't mean I need it all the time, right? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know, like choked on something. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> Sorry for all the coughing into the microphone. But yeah, just because I have something doesn't mean I need to use it all the time. A few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, I was shooting a, like a masterclass. And the autofocus on my older camera, even though the sensor is phenomenal, not great. The A7S Mark II, mm, it's fine. And we lost focus during the shoot. And I was just like, oh, man, how did, how did this happen? And then I got this new camera, and I was like, I'm never going to let this happen again. And then two weeks ago, I let it happen again with the new camera because I pressed autofocus. I put, like, you, you touch the person's eye on the screen, right? Just doop, and it locks onto their eye. But I didn't check it. Like, <laughs> so stupid. Now I'm saying it out loud. I'm so embarrassed. I pressed, all, I pressed it, right? Duke. You, you, I saw the little square. But I never looked at it again. I was like, okay, well, it's good. And I just sat and I was waiting for the scene to end. Because it was just like a talking head thing. And then I played it back. Thank God I played it back because something had happened at the end, something else. So I played it back. I'm like, fuck, none of this is in focus. <laughs> And the client goes, don't you have like the craziest autofocus? Because I was bragging about my autofocus. I was like, yeah, but it has a fucking a flaw. 
someone needs to engage and make sure it's working. And I didn't. So we shot it again. There was no harm, no foul there. And we had a good laugh about it. But like, what the fuck, Phil? <laughs> I used to, not used to, I normally, I look at my frame a thousand times during even a 10 second shot. Here I just pressed and I looked away. So yeah, uh, I'm embarrassing these things out loud. Honestly, there's, I mean, I've had mishaps over the years where I thought I pressed record and I didn't. I think we all have. I've shot a beautiful scene with no SD card in. I've snapped a photo with the lens cap on. We've all done it. It happens. <clears throat> but like to have your focus be so off when you're using autofocus when you don't need to be because the focus was a simple setup, oof, unforgivable. It's unforgivable. I'm very upset with myself. So I'm only going to shoot manual lenses for the next couple of weeks, except for my studio, sh like the recurrings. Um, I can't really switch lenses. Like we're midway through a project. I need to kind of keep it looking good and it does look good. So I'm not going to complain. Um, so, but anything that's on location, like I have a few things coming up in the next 10 days, I'm going to shoot them on manual lenses, old school, like pre-pandemic fill, fucking hustling and just trying to get the most beautiful image as possible. And I would suggest that anyone who's in a similar situation to me where you've just now suddenly upgraded some of your gear, Fucking go back to your old gear. Keep your camera. I'm not saying, but even if you're not going to go back to your old gear, relearn the things that made you worth the money. You know what I mean? There's certain things that we all pick up over the years and there's a specific aesthetic to all of us. Like the way we shoot uh, photographers, cinematographers, even writers, right? Less equipment involved, but I'm saying. Like I'm not saying go break out your typewriter. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that aesthetic, that thing that made the, that footage yours, because you were driven to capture images the way you saw them, there's something very unique about that. And it can't be sold, and it's very difficult to replicate. Go back to those things, the, the reasons that you developed that style. Go back to manual focusing. Go back to pivoting instead of using a gimbal. Uh, go back to multiple takes on sticks, if you need to, on a tripod, instead of some weird gimbal follow shot that doesn't really serve any purpose. It's just, whoa, we got a gimbal that looks cool, right? I'm not saying don't do a long take. Do a fucking long take if you want. I'm just trying to make the point that go back to basics from time to time. And that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, because I, I, like I said, I've never been more upset with myself ever. Until I saw that footage. I was like, I have one of the best cameras on the market. I'm a seasoned veteran at this point. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've won awards. I've screened at huge festivals. I've worked with fucking multi-billion dollar corporations. I've produced incredible content over the years. And I shot this. I shot this shaky, handheld, garbage looking. It looks like it's from a student film. Shit. Embarrassed. Embarrassed. But it took me down a peg. It really did. And it like kicked me in the ass. And I'm kind of happy it happened. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. I'm just saying don't let the gear dictate the story. You dictate the story. The gear is a tool. It's a tool for you to tell your story. And I hope that makes sense. I hope this hasn't been a weird little diatribe. Uh, I am going to jump off this topic and talk about something else I want to talk about, which is a new project, okay? For the last month and a half or two months, I've been working kind of quietly. Like I haven't, I've mentioned it a few times, but we haven't really shared anything uh, with a new client who started a really cool project um, and came to me to produce that project. He is an older client. And I don't mean like he's a geezer, like that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> 
I just mean he's a client that I worked with um, maybe five years ago once while I had a partner. And anyone who knows me knows the story with my partner, like because I've told that agency story. It didn't go well. Uh, I jumped into something out of more fear than excitement, and it, it bit me in the ass in the end. And it took me a long time to bounce back from that kind of like business fiasco that I, I... I mean, it was no one's fault but my own at the end of the day. Like, uh, for all the blame that could be attributed to different things, it was mostly my fault for not asking the right questions. But during that time, and this is why I don't regret anything I've ever done in life, um, really, tr truly, truthfully, I don't regret anything because anything I've done, anytime I failed, any mistake I've made has led me to something more interesting. And in that failed business endeavor, I met Mike. Uh, we made some cool videos for him and his partner. And then I never heard from him again because, I mean, it was weird. I lost touch with that company, right? Uh, Mike appears out of the woodwork, tells me uh, I'm the crypto guy now. I'm like, what do you mean? So Mike's a financial investment advisor. And uh, he manages fucking people's wealth. Like, I mean, that's what he does. I don't fully understand what they do. Like, I know what they do, but you know what I mean? Uh, I'd let him explain it to you rather than try and explain it. It's kind of like when I try to tell people what my wife does. I don't fucking really know. I kind of know, but you don't want me to tell you. Um, so he's a big geek, basically. I mean, sorry, Mike. He's basically a big geek. He loves all kinds of future tech, and uh, he's in the crypto space, like personally. I mean, he's in the crypto space. He's into NFTs, Web 3.0. Anything that is the future of the digital economy, the next version of the economy, the economy 3.0, if you will. So he goes, he tells me, I want to launch this project where basically short form videos where I explain different topics that have to do with this and how they apply to investment. I said, okay, that's fucking interesting. I would watch that. Um, you know, from crypto to emerging technologies or how emerging technology can change laws and how that affects investment portfolios and blah, 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 blah like so on and so forth. And once a week, a podcast, like where you can bring on guests or maybe you can go deeper into a, a topic that we've covered in the show. That has now launched, but it's a soft launch. So you can find it online, but unless I give you the link, you can't get to it. But I will give you the link. The link is, I won't even write it down. I'm just going to say it and force people to try and figure out what I'm saying. It's about the next wave of the digital economy, right? So we decided to call the show economics, but it's spelled three economics. So three and then economics. 3economics.io, it's a soft launch. If you guys get there, because I'm like I said, I'm not going to write it down anywhere. If you manage to get there to 3economics.io, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast RSS. It's all, the podcast is already available, the first one. It is a test run. We're probably going to take that one down. So if you want to hear it before it disappears forever, Mike trying to effectively, you know, what's the expression? Find his voice as a podcaster, because that's what we did. I basically left the camera on. I, I told him, do not talk to me. And I walked off created the most awkward environment for him ever and that was his baptism of fire now he's good like we're shooting more stuff and like all of a sudden he's flushed out so three economics.io let me know what you guys think of it like i would love some feedback from i like most of the people who follow the show and follow my channel have been following me for a long time so like you've seen a lot of what i do i do value your opinions uh, i would love to know you can comment on this video or you can dm me on instagram if you want and uh I'm pretty excited about it. Like last night I put on all the episodes that we've, that we have. There's like four out now. Again, soft launch. They're not publicly available, but they're unlisted. You can get them from the website though. Um, and I was like, fuck, I can watch this. Like I could easily watch five episodes of this instead of like, you know, MKBHD who 
does similar uh, source material, but he does it from a different angle. He's just looking at the tech and what's cool. Here we're looking at how it affects investment and how it affects the economy and how it affects you, basically. Uh, and that's it. That's it. Oh, shit. I just made all the noise in the world. I kicked something. I'm sorry. That is all the time I will take of your day today. I hope today when you listen to this, whenever that may be, maybe in the future, you had a good time. Uh, I hope my uh, self-destructive rant at the beginning where I basically told everyone that I hate myself as an artist today. That's just today. I mean, yesterday I thought I was awesome. Today I'm just mad at myself. Um, I hope that made you think. If you do any kind of art, which I mean we all do to some extent, keep that in mind. Go back to the basics sometimes. Go back to the things that made you good at what you do, right? Or that made you love what you do. And for me, part of what made me love it was how difficult it was sometimes. Like against all odds. Like I am famously, I'm successful for famously succeeding where others would have failed and making nothing into something, right? And I've had clients say those exact words into me. They're like, you turn nothing into this incredible project. Because I had nothing. There was no, not enough budget, not enough gear, not enough this. So go back to basics from time to time. And more importantly, subscribe to this YouTube channel because I'm doing it for you guys. I'm not doing it for me. That's a lie. I'm also doing it for me, but I'm mostly doing it for you guys. Um, if you're still with me, my name is Phil Balabanos. Balabanos.com if you want to reach out. Go check out 3Economics.io and tell me what you think. I sincerely would love to hear what people think of it before we do our official launch. And I'll see you in the next podcast. Uh, I may or may not be wearing the same shirt because I may or may not just film it after this one. You'll never know. You'll have to wait till next week. You've been listening to Fill My Hole. This podcast is available on YouTube in its full video form. If you're lazy and you don't want to Google it and you don't want to search on YouTube, balabanos.com. Hit the podcast section. You can subscribe directly to the RSS feed there. My name is Phil Balabanos, and I'll see you next time.